This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated French Open in years, and Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your smart TV or your phone live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to continue their legacy on the clay courts? From the first serve to the final point, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it all happens. Welcome in to another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and you're listening on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? We've got a lot to catch up on. we got Paris. Uh, Sophia's coming up next, and the Nito ATP Finals is hitting London here in just about a week. So there's a lot to talk about in this week's podcast, but uh, first we're going to start in Paris Obviously, where all the actions went down at the uh, Rolex, Rolex Paris Masters over the last week and a half or so. Just a stat I want to throw out there right away is uh, Karen Hotchinoff, who won the Paris Rolex Masters last year, lost in the first round this year. And with that loss, this is the stat of the day from Tennis TV on Instagram. They said, zero, no former Paris champions in the second round. For the first time since 1990. So nobody who's won the tournament before even made the first round of this year's tournament. And there was a lot of that kind of going on. Um, a lot of upsets. Not as many upsets as um, you know some prior tournaments. But nevertheless, there were some good upsets that happened in this Paris tournament. Including one that should have caught everybody's eye. Because the way that he was playing coming into this um, was very surprising. And that Stan Wawrinka ended up beating... Andre Rublev. Now, if you've listened to any of my last podcasts, you know that Andre Rublev is having an unbelievable 2020. I mean, he's won five ATP titles this year, um, and he just come off another win and another. Like he's playing so well this year, and he was my obvious pick to win this um, Paris Rolex Masters. The way that he was playing was just too good. But Stan Wawrinka, if you look at my last episode as well, as I talked about, he's really struggling. He hasn't really had the year he's wanted to. I didn't know if he was taking a year off, but he's not getting any younger. And this is a statement that came out from Stan. And he said, I'm close to the end of my career, but I also believe I have one last push, one more time to push myself to the limit, make the sacrifice that you need to make to be at my top. And I do believe that Stan Wawrinka has got one of the best one-hand backhands that we've seen ever. And we got guys on the tour right now like Denis Shapovalov. We have guys like Roger Federer, who's a legend. 
Um, and then guys who played in the past with a one hand back end. You got Pete Sampras. Um, you know, just there's been a lot of good one hand back ends on tour. Um, Dominic Team, who won the U.S. Open this year, but Stan Wawrinka has always had a very, very steady one hand backhand. And I think if I remember this correctly, Dominic Team did an interview, and a lot a lot of the players did this interview with uh, ATP. That was like, if you could steal one shot from anybody, who would it be? And I believe Dominic Team said, I'd still stand Wawrinka's backhand. That's how good it is, and that's praise coming from the U.S. Open champion. Dominic Team, because the way Dominic Team hits his backhand is astounding. But I guess he doesn't believe it's better than Stan Wawrinka. Um, Stan Wawrinka has one of the smoothest games, a very smooth and underrated serve, I believe. But he has played well his entire career. It's been overshadowed a little bit um, by Roger Federer because they're both Swiss from they're both Swiss. They're both from Switzerland. Ugh. Got my words twisted up there, but. They're both very good players from Switzerland, and the problem is is he's never been able to get over that hunch of Roger Federer, and neither has really anybody else until Rafael Nadal got to 20 now. But the way that Stan Wawrinka plays um, is one of the smoothest on tour, obviously, um, and if he can really get back to his top, he's going to be a dangerous man on tour for these last few years of his career, the way he makes it sound. Um, some other upsets that happened at the Rolex Paris or the Paris Rolex Master Rolex Paris Masters. I always get that mixed up. Um, Diego Schwartzman made it far in this tournament. Um, Medvedev made it far in this tournament. I want to talk about Rayonich. Rayonich made it very far. Berrettini lost second round to Giron, and then Rayonich ended up making it all the way to the semis, where he would lose to the champion Daniil Medvedev. Um, some other good players. Uh, they made it far in this tournament. I, I thought uh, Pablo Carina Busta was going to beat Ra uh, Rafael Nadal. He beat him in the first set, 6-4, barely lost the second, and that was kind of the camel that broke the straw's back, or the straw that broke the camel's back the other way around on that analogy there. If you're listening worldwide, you probably never heard that before. It's a straw that broke the camel's back. Um, it's kind of like the last the last thing that kind of made something happen. Um, Rafael Nadal ended up making it to the semis where he would lose to Alexander Sverev. Sverev really impressed me this year. Um, Sverev is one of those guys in the past, which I've talked about this in prior podcasts, um, that, you know, I just never thought he could get over the hump. Um, he always, he didn't fold under pressure, but he always got really tight. And um, for him to make it not only to the U.S. Open Finals, but play well in other tournaments, I think it's given him the... I don't know, the confidence to play in these big-time matches. And that's what you saw when he played Rafael Nadal in Paris. Is He beat Rafael Nadal 6-4, 7-5, straight sets, win against arguably one of the best players to ever play the game. Um, then we moved to the final. It was tight final. It really was. Um, it was 5-7, 6-4, 6-1, kind of the same thing that happened to Karina Busta against Nadal. But Zvera came out flying. Um, it was a tight, close first set. Um, that ended up going to Sferov, and then it went Daniil Medvedev, both the second and the third set. My most surprising takeaway from this entire tournament, Andrei Rublev lost to Stan Wawrinka in the third round. I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, I saw that when it happened, and I could not believe that he lost. I mean, the way Rublev has been playing lately is unbelievable, and it actually got him a spot in another tournament coming up that I'm going to talk about later on in this show. This is something I don't really talk about often on this podcast, but I'm going to give it a rip here because I think it deserves some shine. Doubles in Paris. The winners are Felix Ogier Aliassim, FAA from Canada, and his partner, Hubert Hercoc 
um, the Pol- the Polish, and they ended up winning against Bruno Suarez and Mate Pavic. Um, the only reason I know that Bruno's name is because he's been on the doubles mat forever, and he's really good on the double side. But the fact that FAA and Hercotch won this match, I think is a little surprising because they're both very predominantly singles players um, playing against a very solid doubles team, the two seed in this tournament. And they had to win some good matches to get there. I mean, they had to beat the um, Robert Farah and then his partner, Zabalos, um, used to be the Colombians, but something happened there and they're not anymore. Um, but FAA and Hercotch won this match in the third set super tiebreaker. And what's surprising about this is they saved five match points to win this. And if you watch the highlights or even watch the match, you saw that the way they saved these match points was incredible. And the wheels just kept coming off the other team. And doubles is one of the most fascinating things to watch in um, sports in general, just because of how fast everything happens. But especially, it's one of the most interesting things to do and watch in the sport of tennis. Um, if you ever go to Grand Slam or a smaller tournament, I urge you to watch doubles because the doubles at the professional level are stupid good and the hands are really good um the way that they play the game the high level tennis it's all really really good but i wanted to touch on that faa and Hercotch, both young guns in the tennis world get a win in paris um that's a masters 1000 dub and no one's ever going to know if it's singles or doubles if you put it up in your house because it's going to be a sweet trophy to have in that trophy case um one more thing back to the singles in Paris, Daniil Medvedev obviously won that. It's his third Masters 1000 win. And this is something I also want to talk about is because Medvedev hasn't had the great year that he had in 2019, right? Like, he's had a good year, but he hasn't had a great year. And you remember last year he came onto the scene and he was phenomenal, right? Um, but he hasn't had a great year like he did last year. He just hasn't made the finals. He hasn't won the matches. And he even says that in a post-match interview. He says, um, I don't show much after a match, um, but I'm very happy when I win matches. Um, he said before the tournament, this is quote right here in quote, before the tournament, I was not in my best form playing. Not so bad with zero finals this year. I was complaining to my wife, like, Oh my God, I don't have the level. I don't even have one final. I am playing so bad. Finally, I'm a winner of Bercy, a tournament that I love. I mean, it's a big win for Daniil Medvedev in the confidence angle because last year he played phenomenal. U.S. Open final against Rafa, probably should have won the U.S. Open last year. And then, um, you know, has a great year last year all around, especially that second half of that year. His coach wins coach of the year, um, stuff like that. And then he comes in this year and he is not like he's played bad. He just hasn't made a final. He's just struggled to close out tournaments, you know? And so um, it says Medvedev entered the tournament with wins in just three of his previous eight matches. He was three for eight there. Um, and then he finally got over the hump when he beat Kevin Anderson and Milos Raonic um, in Paris. Um, and then Medvedev goes on to say, I was playing really good this tournament after the first set. Uh, I, I could have given up because Sasha was serving so well and he was playing so well, but I just tried to stick in there and play there. And at one moment, I raised my level higher and higher and started to put pressure on him and it worked. It broke his level um, a little bit. And Sasha Zverev has had an incredible year too and has played really well. For, so for that win on Daniil Medvedev's plate has got to be just a confidence booster going in to the NITO ATP Finals, which is happening on November 15th. Um, let's talk about, we can talk about the NITO ATP Finals. I was going to let that sit for a little bit longer, but might as well get into it now. The NITO ATP Finals is on November 15th. 
until November 22nd. And the field is set. Djokovic, Nadal, Team, Tsitsipas, Medvedev, Sferev, Rublev, Schwartzman. Now, if I just said all these guys' last names and you don't know who these guys are, I highly recommend starting to know these names as household names in the sport of tennis. Um, Djokovic and Nadal should be. Team definitely should be. Tsitsipas, Medvedev, Sferev are probably on their way to be household names in the sport of tennis. And then Rublev and Schwartzman are kind of up-and-comers, um, not necessarily super young, but getting the job done and started playing really, really well here in 2020. I'm jacked up about the Nito ATP Finals. I think it's going to be a great turnout. Um, I think all these players are playing at the top of their game. There hasn't been that much tennis in 2020, so they really have something to prove, right? And with Novak Djokovic just getting the year-end number one, I think Nadal's out to prove that, no, you might be the the world number one at the end of this year in 2020, but I'm still a better player than you. And I think a lot of players are like that. And with these young players getting such an opportunity at the U.S. Open this year, um, is really giving them confidence. The way Schwartzman already beat Nadal on clay. Rublev's won five ATP finals this year. Poss is the reigning champion of this event. Sverev and team played in the U.S. Open final. And Medvedev's coming off a Paris victory. So I think the eight players in this are phenomenal. The only person I'd love to see in it is Roger Federer, but obviously... Um, everybody knows what's going on with him. He's had a couple injuries this year and he decided just to wait out until 2021, whether that's injury, whether that decision was injury based or coronavirus based doesn't really matter. He's just taking a year off. He did tweet and put on social media the other day that he is getting back into practicing and he's, you know, just said back to work. So good to see him back on the court. Um, a lot of good things are going to happen. I think next year for him and kind of looking for one more major championship by Roger Federer. Really looking forward to that. Hopefully it happens. But um, the Nito ATP Finals, I think it's going to be a great event. Um, I think every every year, everyone wants to go out on top, especially in a world uh, year-end number one is already decided. I think that gives even more motivation to other players. Be like, you might be the world-end number one, but I'm going to win the hardest tournament of the year. Not necessarily the hardest tournament, but with all these best players here, I'm going to win this tournament right here. I'm going to win this event. And um, to say you've won the ATP Finals is obviously a huge step in people's career. And I do think that um, someone other than Djokovic and Nadal is going to win this tournament. Now, I might be getting into my predictions next week on the pod, but um, you hear it here now. I do not think the big two in this tournament, Djokovic or Nadal, is going to win this tournament. I want to move forward to Sofia. Sofia is a tournament coming up here that has already started, actually. Um, and there's some good players in it. I just want to touch on it briefly. I don't want to say that much about it. But, um, I mean, let's look at Denis Shapovalov's one seed. Felix Ogier, Ali Asim's a two seed. Alex D. Manure is a three seed. Struff is the four. And then Millman's in it and Chilich is in it. I think the most, th- the biggest thing to look at here um, is Shapo and FAA and Dave Manure, the top three seeds. Hopefully one of those can come out with a victory and so we can get some young winners here, but it is an ATP 250, so it is some points in Bulgaria, but not enough really to ride home about. But for these guys who aren't playing in the Nido ATP finals and just trying to get better, obviously you're going to try to play in a tournament just to kind of get your more wins under your belt, if that's the best way to put it. Uh, last thing I kind of want to touch on here is... Like I mentioned, Novak Djokovic is a year-end number one. He is tied for the most times of ending the year at number one with six, with Pete Sampras. Uh, at five, tied at five, is Jimmy Connors, Rafael Nadal, 
and Roger Federer, and McEnroe has four. So um, I hate to say it, but I don't believe that Roger Federer is going to end the year at number one just because the way he plays, and he won't play probably any more clay tournaments just because why would he? It's just more wear and tear on his body. Uh, I do see Djokovic maybe running away with this award. Um, He might have the most year-end number ones at the end of the day because um, the way he plays and the way he competes is a year-end number one type style. And I think he has the tools to get as much points every year and end every single year number one. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. You can reach out at Believe if you want to sponsor me. I put it in there a few times. If you're thinking about sponsoring this podcast, you can reach out at Believe.com. Remember, Believe in the ATP Tour sponsorship at Believe.com. You can reach out to them. Or you can reach out to them at Believe Podcast, both on Instagram and Twitter. Or you can just reach out to me at Jacob Sersosmo on Instagram and Twitter, or if you have anything you want me to talk about on the show, you think who would be a good guest or who I should talk to, let me know. Um, Hopefully, you might have some big things coming on this podcast come the new year. Just keep that in mind. Um, Nothing set in stone. I'm not promising anything, but I've been thinking a lot lately about this podcast. Um, Once again, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Next week on the pod, we're going to talk a little bit about the Nito ATP Finals and the Next Gen Finals are also happening, which I didn't really talk about in this one, but we'll get into it next week as well. During this pandemic, everything, please be safe. Keep your family safe. Most of all, take care of yourself. And there's some big tennis ahead before the new year comes around here in a month or two. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.